0: It's September the 13th, 2014. I'm Mike Benedetti. This is 508, a show about Worcester. Today we're in Worcester's beautiful Winslow Park, where they're setting up for like a block party street fair today.
1: This isn't your birthday.
0: It's not my birthday. It's just it's just a <laughs> festival for the for the joy of festivals. Also today on the show, Noah Bombard of Mass Live. Howdy. And Brendan Melikan hey. of himself. Affiliated <laughs> with himself. Animation. West Tatnick. How's it going, Brendan? Good, man, how are you? Good, we haven't had a show in a little over a month. There's been so much stuff happening. Today, we're gonna talk about three topics. All these topics are so giant that we're certainly not gonna exhaust them, maybe only scratch the surface today. These topics are local journalism, the hunt for a new Worcester city manager, and primary elections. What do you guys wanna talk about first? I know
2: nothing about the Telegram, so I have nothing to say. About
0: that. <laughs> Noah, Noah, of course, former Worcester Magazine editor, former Telegram and Gazette digital editor, yeah, something like that, and now Mass Live digital editor, uh, managing editor, managing editor, or managing All producer. Right. Well, let's talk about oh, let's let's talk about the primary elections, and then maybe talk about city manager a little bit. I feel like primary elections we can kind of fade into uh, journalism. Uh, from the primary elections We had state elections this week We don't talk a lot about state elections on this show um, I just want to read off I want to read off who the candidates are going to be Because I honestly guys I, This is one complaint about local elections I couldn't find any local news website That had a list of Who will your candidates be mm-hmm. this fall Nobody just had that list the t- Telegram.com, good job you have all that information It just took me like 20 minutes on my phone To, f- to c- compile it Here's what we got First of all, you can still register to vote, right? for this fall election. So, yeah. Yeah?
1: Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: So you got, I think you got until some point in October maybe to, to register to vote. So register to vote if you want to vote. Um, this is not an election cycle where I'm going to advocate not voting as a protest. Especially
1: if you didn't fill out your city census. That's uh, oh, That's still yeah. the big one that gets you kicked off the rolls. And if you weren't a primary voter and didn't go through the process of having to uh, put in a provisional ballot because you didn't fill out the, the last census or vote in one of the more recent re- elections you're going to have a bad time in November when it, when it comes to trying to vote. So if it's, been
0: more than a years, if it's been more than a couple of years since you successfully voted in I don't think registered. it's a couple of years now.
1: Just definitely check. Hop on the city website and take a look. If you intend to vote in November as early as possible, hop on the city's website. Make sure that your voter registration is active. And if not, hop down to the clerk's office and take care of that. Because it's a really terrible experience on election day to have to go through the provisional ballot process.
0: So here's what we got in the ballot on the state level. We obviously have things like uh, the governor and whatever and Jim McGovern, our state rep- or our national representative is running unopposed. Um, we have a lot of people running unopposed actually. Um, in the first in our, for the first Worcester state Senate district, longtime state Senator Harriet Chandler will face Paul Franco. This is actually interesting Paul Franco um, Republican. Uh, I think it's fair to say Tea Party-affiliated, ran for, what, he ran for state rep a couple of times, years um, ago? Uh,
1: yes, and he's, he's been involved in local races in the past, and uh, he's a Worcester resident. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that the labeling is the, the right way to go. I think a lot of folks, uh, especially on the Republican side, have kind of tried to distance themselves with uh, affiliations and labels uh, as they sure. haven't necessarily gone their way for uh, sure. the last few years. But yeah, you sure. Don't. You don't really see uh, a lot of uh, people affiliating themselves with the Tea party uh. The personalities are still around, but the label seems to have uh, uh, gone by the wayside a little bit.
0: So that's the first state senate district. In our second state senate district, state senator Michael Moore is running unopposed. Not not the TV, not the TV and movie Michael Moore, but another guy named Michael Moore. Uh, in the 12th district, which doesn't include the city of Worcester, I got to mention though that Brad Wyatt, friend of the show, is running as a Republican for state rep against Hank Naughton, versus Hank Nodden, in longtime incumbent state rep. So I don't know Hank Naughton, but I know Brad Wyatt, and I, want, I, would, I would endorse Brad Wyatt just because he's a nice guy. And finally, his downtown building is getting used for something constructive, student housing. Good job, Brad. He's mentioned Brad. a
1: big lawsuit as well, he's, too.
0: He's mentioned a big lawsuit this week, so hopefully it will not continue to be a traumatic and crazy <laughs> couple of months for him before the election, but there you go. Brad Wyatt, friend of, friend of this show. Uh, the 13th District, state rep for Worcester, uh, Spamman John Mahoney is running unopposed. The incumbent, John Mahoney... Uh, Jim O'Day. No, a, he has a what? challenger. We
1: gotta double check your list. Are you there. sure? Yes. Who's this challenger? Uh, Cortez, I believe, is the the, the woman's name. So oh, female. Yes. That yep. is uh, Republican. Yep. Uh, I might be misspelling that so I Paul it's no uh, not intended to be an offense if I am but I' uh, you know, mispronouncing that I didn't I believe- actually
0: I didn't actually have unopposed written on my sheet I just had a blank so maybe this is my own slappiness
1: um yeah maybe it, John well John John as it
0: turns out you actually are writing at somebody. <laughs> sorry <laughs> about don't that. listen to me don't listen to me this is continue why the spamming this <laughs> is why we have, this is why we have more than one person on this in this show how about this Jim O'day is he running unopposed in the 14th? I believe so. I believe he is. I haven't written down my paper. And rightfully but so.
1: No, 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 no uh, That snappy addresser should ever have an opponent.
0: Who could oppose oh. Jim O'Day? Really? Nobody. Uh, in the fifteenth, we had a big Democratic primary. No Republican. No Republican running in the fifteenth. But Dem- Big Democratic primary where Mary Keefe, the incumbent, defeated uh, Phil Palmieri and uh, Perez in that primary uh paul mary of course Councilor palpatine longtime worcester city Councilor, uh did not do super great
1: in this election I think we would call that a crushing defeat
0: a crushing defeat it's so interesting for me to see how people run successful uh city council campaigns and then don't do very well for hmm. state rep well, mike germain was, uh, mike germain is oh, another yeah. one in this in this uh, and then vice versa like mary keith before she ran successfully for state rep, had run unsuccessfully for city council. Mm-hmm. spamming John Mahoney, before he ran successfully for state rep, had run unsuccessfully for city council. I don't know if there's a real pattern here. It's just interesting to see that like, past results well, don't always One of the things, things predict-
1: that I think is worth pointing out is, you know, and, and you can go back to Harriet Chandler's race in the primary as well with Steve Maher, um, I, I think we still have this mentality of uh, focusing on like things like lawn signs and presence and whatnot as mm-hmm. somehow an, an indicator of an outcome in an election. Uh, and if you drove through like the Tatnic area, you would think that uh, half of Harry Chandler's base had eroded and gone to the other side just right. based on lawn signs. Another crushing defeat. Uh, and I think it's one of those things for people to keep in mind that uh, politicking has evolved to the point where uh, you know it's, it is all about data and identification of voters, and, and you can't rely upon. A general tone or, uh, or, or sense of how things are going to fall based on presence how much you see somebody even even the support that you might see in front lawns that doesn't actually translate to voter turnout. Kevin
0: Kevin Kassin is nodding his head yes as he no and it, this. but but Kevin
1: Kassin is actually a great example of this you know he he, he taps into what I think would. Uh, would be regarded as, as voting demographics and bases that most peop- aren't on most people's radars. And he does that very, very successfully. And if anything, it's just a sign of the city evolving and, and, and changing uh, when it comes to the electorate, which is a great thing. I think it's what we've all been waiting for. Uh, but there's a lot of people playing catch-up and don't even know how to tap into some of the demographics that are just waiting for the opportunity to support somebody who actually represents them and in their interests. Congratulations, Kevin.
0: If you want to make if you if you want to see a disgusted look on Kevin Kassian's face, just mention the words yard sign or election
1: standout. Yeah, he'll be like, those it's are totally it. worth. It totally worth it. Absolutely, and it's, but it's stuff that you still have to do to appease the folks that have been doing yeah. the same thing over and over again, and you'll never break them from those habits, as long as you're able to get them to understand that there is a whole other side
2: to, to contemporary politicking that you can't ignore. It's part of the it's part of sideshow, I think, to elections. Mm-hmm. You, you have that very public display, but a lot of these are about geography. I mean, you mentioned Harriet Chandler, you mentioned Hank Naughton. I mean, these are candidates who uh, are really popular in very particular geographic areas. I mean, heck, Naughton a couple times has uh, has tried to uh, or, or at least looked into uh, running for bigger office. Of course, he, he dipped his toes in the water for AGs uh, mm-hmm. race. Was it last year, or the year before. This year, yeah, this yeah. this year. Um, you know, and that that petered out very quickly. Um, but he's got a huge base. Uh, you know, right right in Clinton and uh, mm-hmm. a few of the other neighboring towns that are just huge supporters of him. Mm-hmm. And things change, too. I mean, you know,
1: you look at, again, uh, Harry Chandler's the first uh, Worcester Senate District. Uh, towns, adjacent communities like Northbro, uh, the demographics have changed dramatically just in the last decade in terms of median income, uh, the residents and, you know, their, their registration in terms of political party, their affiliations. Uh, areas that used to be able to take for granted now require a lot of heavy lifting uh, just to say solid and, and hold on to what you have within the constraints of Worcester, it's no different. You know, there there, there are a lot of new voters coming onto the program, and I think it's shaking up uh, people's otherwise small, comfortable worlds very quickly.
0: You'll have two more local races to vote on in the fall, two more local-slash-statewide races. One is 16th Worcester. If you live in 16th Worcester, Dan—how do you say his last name? Donahue? Dunahue. Donahue. Donahue. Mm-hmm. Dan Donahue defeated Josh Pero in the primary, and there's
1: no— No contest on the other —challenger. Right. There's no—why are there no— Republicans, come on, people. Or that ring. was an interesting one, though. I mean, you know, you can look at it as not necessarily being the widest margins in terms of a defeat, but Dan will ever forever be known as the guy who held off what will essentially be a $200,000 challenge. <laughs> um, I mean, so
0: much money on the Josh Perro side of incredible. that Incredible.
1: I mean, I don't, I don't think that's ever been seen in a state rep race in Worcester, uh, and probably never seen again, but, you know, that's, that's to Dan and his people's credit, that, I mean, holding off that kind of challenge is not a— uh, an easy feat at all. Yes.
0: And finally, in the 17th Worcester, Doug Belanger defeated uh, former city councilor Mike Germain and also Moses Dixon for the primary, Democratic primary. There, this is John, ben, the late John Benendez's old seat, and Kate, Kate Capenau, Campenali, Capenau.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Do you say that last vowel in her name? I'm going
1: to let you. Uh, I'm going to say up. Kate
0: Capenau <laughs> is running against. Uh, will be running as a Republican against Doug Belanger in November. Uh, It was interesting to try to follow this election online Um, You know, I really just like 30 minutes after the polls close I want to go online and see how the results are rolling in and Twitter was a good way to find out how the results are rolling in Uh, In Worcester if you have cable, which I don't channel 12, you know runs a little green Screen list of the results their online stream of that is so low res that you can't read that Mm -hmm. Worcester City Council fixed this uh, Twitter was a good way to sort of get some of that information. Occasionally people who were at, at City Hall were taking photos of the giant projection of that. Their photos of the projection of Channel 12, very readable, <laughs> that they were putting on Facebook. Uh, there were a number of local websites who had... Um,
1: there
0: were a number of local websites who had, I guess, this AP feed of confirmed election results. And so, if you if you click the you know election results button on their website, on Mass Live was this way, the Telegram is this way, you would basically get this thing that had just a ton of zeros because it was extremely slow in updating compared to the actual updates coming out of city clerks' offices or whatever. I don't know. I was driven crazy by spending an hour trying to find this out. I should have just waited two hours after the election, and everyone would have told me everything. <laughs> right. But Someone that. Please. That, that that in the mean in the, that in the middle
1: time where somebody who's passionate about the election but not enough to go down to city hall, I was being driven crazy. Mm-hmm. It, it is isn't I mean we going to move on to other topics, but it is an interesting thing that I, I hope town clerks across the state are looking at. That it's not just it's not just people at home uh, voters that are interested in that data. It's campaigns themselves, and it's a challenge and a very expensive process to actually have people on the ground pulling numbers directly from either polling places or mm-hmm. clerks' offices as they come through. And it's funny when you look at. Uh, I think Boston.com had probably, no offense to MassLive, I think had one of the better feeds in terms, at least for the governor's race, in terms of numbers coming in live. I think they had the, the same feed that we had. Did they, they have the same feed? Yeah. So I, I was, I was looking at them just for updates, and it was really amazing to see how many towns had reported before Worcester did. Hmm. And it's not, that's not a knock against Worcester. It's a big community. There's a lot of polling places and a lot of data to pool before you can report anything. Uh, but I, I with three nerds sitting at the table. I would imagine that we could agree that there's just a better way to do things. Uh, yeah. and it's one of those places where technology needs to be leaned on a little bit more to get those results out. We're, it's
0: we're gonna we we meaning the 508 type people here, we're gonna do something for this for this <laughs> November election. We're gonna have somebody at City Hall and maybe Can we get my
1: fiber th- network up first?
0: Well, we're not no, no, this is more
2: important. We're gonna <laughs> well, do something involving Google it, Docs or Twitter it, or something. It's, it's a good point. And I think the uh, the issue of course is that most of the media now we're relying on AP. Uh, because, as you said, to put somebody out at the polls is pretty expensive, especially if you're looking at statewide elections. Right. It's like, you know, how are we going to put somebody at all these polls? Um, certainly the the big areas like the cities, I think we could do, uh, we probably could man those a little better. Um, you know, I think a lot of us have, have kind of moved away from uh, the numbers. I mean, we don't want to just be crunching numbers all night. We're trying to talk to the candidates, trying to get meaning out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think, but at the same time, there are people who want this data right away and we were a little bit frustrated too with some of the numbers. We had one campaign, the Eric Lester campaign up Western Mass, uh, where he was uh, he had declared victory and we're looking at the AP numbers and he's down by 127 votes and four precincts hadn't reported yet and you know we're getting emails from people saying, you know, why haven't you declared him the victor? And it's like, well, you know, we can't just take the candidate's word for right. it. We're sure he's probably right, yeah. you know, but at the same time, we don't have the numbers yet. so. No, locally, a themselves. great example of that would be the
1: Dunyau-Apparo race. I mean, the the, the Duny-U, uh party was well underway, probably past the point of being overdone before Worcester had even called results. Right. Uh, and that's just the byproduct of having people at each polling place who can pull in numbers right when they're being
2: printed from uh, the machines, mm-hmm. uh, aggregate them and... They won. And most of the time the candidates know before anybody else knows yeah. because they've got people sitting at their, you know, they're sometimes doing exit polling, you know, trying mm-hmm. to get an idea for uh, for how well they're doing at the polls. So they're usually the first to know. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, you know, another example is Kevin Kassin, who I think tweeted that Mary Keith had won. I want to say five minutes after the polls close, which seems way too soon. Maybe ten minutes after the polls close. No, that sounds perfectly logical.
1: If you have somebody at each polling place, that you, you know you, right away, you call up to say, "What's the numbers? Are so you Adam?" So you say, the way it, it is. works is at eight o'clock, the polls shut down. Usually, with, at, at most ten minutes, each ward will print a, a strip from the machine itself and yeah. hang it outside the polling place, which is locked down. And you've got your political operatives outside just scribbling down numbers and then calling them into whatever respective boiler rooms they're representing. And if you have somebody in each polling place, you know what your vote totals are for both uh, both particip- all, all participants before uh, the city, the clerk does. Maybe this is what we need. How many people do we have to have to do this? It just depends on the size of the race. But again, I think that's what gets interesting when you look at, uh, you know, Senate races or uh, constitutional offices. Now you're you get 351 cities and towns that you need to be pulling in numbers from. It's almost impossible to get a, a, a high level view of what's happening until the clerk's report. Unless right. you have somebody at every unless potential you've thousands board of throughout. people,
0: Right. Well, so we talked 15 minutes about this. We actually got 100% of this this done. Um, so we're going to do I we're going to do an introductory job on talking about journalism and talking about the city manager search. Let's talk about journalism for 10 minutes and city manager for 5 maybe. Um, the Telegram and Gazette in recent years has been uh, sold twice. It seems like it's at some sort of stable place. Lots of layoffs. Most recently a fifth of the newsroom staff was laid off, including nice. <laughs> including Noah Bombard. <laughs> Um, some of them have gone on to other things, and some of them still looking for work. Um, I think beyond that sort of human... Oh, there was an interim publisher, now there's a final publisher. Uh, beyond the sort of human drama of a bunch of people's lives being completely turned upside down, we have this question of who is going to report about stuff like local politics, and like anything at all. Um, today, today in the telegram there was a really not, vague article about a speech that the TNG publisher made where he said both that they were going to develop a strategic plan, which is exciting. I don't know why you tell people we're going to have a plan. I guess to acknowledge you don't have a plan. And also that they were going to expand local coverage.
2: I don't even believe that. Um, I I think, I mean, strategic plan is a phrase that is used a lot. Um, It's one that I think uh, most people are are rightfully a little bit skeptical of. Uh, You know, I think it's You know, it's one thing for a publisher to say, look, this is what we're going to do. We're going to put a reporter here, or we're going to move resources uh, this way, or we're going to shift, but to just kind of say that we're going to work on a strategic plan. I mean, I think, you know, he's new, and people are looking for some sort of direction, so that's, you know, certainly, uh, 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 you know, pointing them in the right direction. But... I don't know. I mean, it, it, everything, I think, is still in flux in, in this city, and we've seen that for several years with reductions in staffing uh, at yeah. the Worcester Magazine, at the Telegram, at, at everywhere. Um, but uh, news is still going to get covered one way or the other. It's just a matter of who's doing it and how many people they have on the ground. Well, I tell you, there's two there's two things that have sort of caught,
0: three things that have sort of caught my eye, I guess, since this uh, all this TNG, latest round of TNG chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is, is seeing Go Local Worcester sort of seeming like they really want to jump into the breach there. Um, one is uh, Bill Randall launching a Worcester Herald, a sort of a group blog, and aggregator blog. Both of those projects I'm really jealous of that they've been able to get so many people involved in their projects. Both of those projects I'm really frustrated about because I feel like their information is really unreliable. There's not anybody who knows anything about anything. You know, looking at looking over what's going on. I'll give you an example. One of the first Worcester Herald articles I read. It was an awesome article because it talked a little bit about local John Birch Society stuff. So that was cool. Um, you know, getting back to the telegram executive and its bircher roots. It was cruddy in that it was like talking talking about Ron Madnick and his time on the city council. Which Ron Madnick's ever been on the city council. Anybody, Bill Randall knows this. If somebody's reading this article before they put it on the site, you can make these little corrections and you know just make the article ten percent more accurate. But it's not happening. So it's a mixture of jealousy and also frustration. Mass Live, which
2: is a spinoff of the Springfield Republican newspaper? Well, we're a separate company. Uh, okay. We're owned by Advanced uh, Digital, so uh, mm-hmm. we're, we're affiliated with the Springfield Republican. Their stories appear on Mass Live's website. But we actually have our own staff. I have about uh, nine reporters right now um, covering uh, Mass. We've got uh, three or two in Worcester right now. I hope to be hiring another one. Um, within the next week or so, mm-hmm. so we'll have three people. One of them, Lindsey Corcoran, lives right here in the city. A fantastic reporter, um, and and then there's me as well. I'm working out of Springfield most of the time, but uh, so you know, I think uh, the the strides that we're trying to make, at least, is to just uh, you know hit, try to find what's not being reported. Try to try to do a, a, make a unique uh, uh, take on the news every week and uh, and fill kind of some of the gaps. Mm -hmm. Uh, that have been left open by some of the the coverage here and also you know to you know not to to toot our own horn too much but uh, you don't have to pay (laughs) to read our stories which Having worked at the Telegram for three years, I mean that was that was. Uh, you know,
0: I I don't want to break. I I don't want, I don't know how to say this to you, but you don't have to pay to read the Telegram because that yeah, website well, either. Yeah, well, if you
2: if <laughs> you know what you're doing, you don't have to. But you've got to try to do something to get around it. Sure, we won't uh, say what. Yeah, and I think you know that was that was a, one of the most difficult things at the Telegram was trying to increase uh, coverage in the city, trying to increase the number of people reading our stories, while at the same time hitting the the, the kickback from people saying. Why am I hitting this paywall? And it it drove me crazy because I was kind of sympathetic at the same time. And so nice not to hear those comments anymore from people when we when we send them our stories.
0: So there's a lot of people writing a lot of stuff about Worcester. You know, Facebook, Twitter, Reddit. These are just full of information about Worcester. And if you just walk around and talk to people every day, you could find out a lot about what's going on in Worcester. But there's this thing that you know that journalistic project brings of you talk to a guy at a bar, he tells you something, and then you go out and you make a phone call to confirm it. Right. And that's like the value add. And and it's also like that curation of like of the 20 people I talked to in bars today, here are the three people who said something that's the most interesting. Um, I wonder, I, I mean, how do you sort
2: of think about covering the city of Worcester, I guess? How, how do well, you that decide... that happens online too. I mean, the whole the whole Worcester bus incident, uh, which, yeah. which Mass MassLive, I, yeah. I should say, was the first to have that story. I mean, okay. that was somebody... Uh, tipping uh, me off and saying, "Hey, look at this video that I just saw posted." And I, I'm sitting there watching the video, and I'm like, "Holy cow!" That's and a I, story. And I went to Telegram, I went to Boston. I'm like, "Nobody has this thing yet." Mm-hmm. I'm like, and I was up till about three in the morning making sure we had that story by uh, six a.m. on on Friday morning. Uh, and then, of course, you know, everybody hopped on that story. Uh, we got lucky there. I mean, you know, it's all about who you happen to connect with, and you know, the, sometimes the Telegram, uh, oftentimes will. We'll get those kind of tips as well, right? I mean, um,
0: so so I mean, is the way that you're, I, I guess I'm just wondering, like, you know, when you're, I mean, when your reporters wake up in the morning, yeah. Like obviously they're checking Twitter and Facebook and whatever to see if there's stuff like that that they need to search out. Right. But, I mean, are you thinking about Worcester? And I, I guess I'm just wondering, like, like where? What is the st- what is the starting point
2: for covering Worcester? The starting point is actually being on the street, and I know this was one of the issues when we moved over to the big tower on, on the Telegram. Is some of us there were saying, hey, we should have a storefront office, even just a couple of desks, just to be mm-hmm. on the street. Mm-hmm. There are things that you find out about, you hear about, you learn about that you don't find out on the uh, the, f- the third or fourth floor of a, of a building, you know? And so our reporters right now, we don't have an office in Worcester. They're working from coffee shops in Worcester. They're working from their car. They're working what, from the what, neighborhood. What, what coffee shops? <laughs> Acoustic Java, New Cafe, uh, I don't know. What else right. can we plug here? Bean
0: counter? They should go work from the bean counter,
2: too. I've worked from the bean counter before. I, I try not to work from there too often because the uh, I end up eating the, the uh, carrot cake there and it gets uh, a little bit too much. Sugar
1: high is going to screw you up. Sure. Um, that's funny, though, because the only person I saw more on Election Day than, uh, I don't know her name, but the only person I saw more than uh, Walter Byrd was one of your people. Probably Megan. Megan or Lindsay. Probably. Saw her all, all day traversing the city, you know, just talking to people, photographs and whatnot, as well as being in City Hall as numbers were coming in. And um, I didn't see the same presence from the telegram. It's not to say that they're not out there, but it's, I think what you're saying, the, the visibility, uh, actually interacting with human beings uh, is where your stories come yeah, from. Yeah, and I, I
2: think, you know, we'd like to, I think we... You know, it's no secret we'd love to have an office in, in Worcester at some point too. But at this point, it's not really necessary. It's like you mm-hmm. know, we really want our reporters out in the field and, yeah. uh, and and reporting from from you know from the neighborhood. So and yeah. that and that that you see things that you just like I say you just don't see if you're sitting up in an office. Mm-hmm. Well, and good luck. You know, you mentioned Reddit and other places yeah. as well
1: too, as well as the Worcester Herald and some flaws that you picked up there. I mean, the thing that always strikes me with Reddit is you hear these first-person accounts of things that are happening or, you know, uh, the way things happen, and there are always these bastardized stories, right? I mean, it's like, Mm -hmm. because it's just one person's perspective with no confirmation and oftentimes no institutional knowledge of what they're actually discussing, and you could drive trucks through the holes that that are, in stories that are told. and, and this is like people trying to constructively give other people new information about, you know, what neighborhoods are safe or what's going on in the city. And, and it's, it's really bad information. And it's, on the one hand, it's really nice to hear the telegram saying that they're, getting, they're going to get more local. Well, what have you been doing? You're a local newspaper, right? I mean, that's, that isn't, that's how can you You're, get more local than right. being a local newspaper? It's some, Just Maine South? <laughs> no, I mean, I don't know, it's it just, but that's, it, it's a really weird place to, it, it's a weird thing to see where, you know, you do have some other entities that maybe haven't done the, the best job of, of filling those gaps, but it's clear that there are still gaps to be filled, huge gaps, mm-hmm. uh, I think you folks are really the only ones that are doing it prof- in a really professional context, trying to move in and fill those holes, yeah, as opposed to other folks who are carving out the territory
2: they already right. had and, and digging in their heels. The other, I think the advantage that we have online is that we don't have a newspaper. Mm-hmm. You know, Mass Live. I mean, there's the Springfield Republican, but they're their own separate entity. We, you know, and this has been liberating for me because for years I've worked for newspapers that have websites, right. and we're not a newspaper that have a website. We're a statewide news website, mm-hmm. and uh, the company that owns us has a newspaper, and they have several <laughs> newspapers, they have a lot of newspapers actually. Um, so that that has allowed us to really focus our efforts. We don't have daily news meetings where we talk about what's going to be on page one tomorrow. We're talking about what's on the website right now, and you know I'm looking at it every day on our Worcester page, saying you know, okay, I'm from the Worcester area. Is this stuff relevant to me? What does it mean to me? Is our whole page full of crime today? Maybe we need to you know branch out and find something else that's going on rather than you know somebody else who was shot or stabbed. Uh, you know, so these are things that I think that we're concentrating on right now that I know it was frustrating before working for print because you know it was all about getting that print newspaper out mm-hmm. and the website was was a priority but sometimes not. I always remember that my favorite conversations
1: that I've had uh, with some of your former colleagues would be when the website was treated like an extension of the newspaper and then you'd see something come out of left field that I don't think a print person could ever really account for like a two-headed cat and when the <laughs> yes. two-headed cat comes up that's when you have a team like a SWAT team on standby just to pepper advertisements and know that that is going to be plastered everywhere and that's where your paywall comes down and yeah. you know I mean it's, it's nothing well, but an advertising dump and it's the amount of time i think it happened eventually but it, it seemed like it yeah. took way too yeah. long for the telegram to realize wait this two this two-headed cat is actually going to pay our mortgages for the next yeah, six months Yeah,
2: and, and you get those you get those big hits well, there's an example at the telegram i remember that really irked me and that there was a, we did a story on this photo that went viral of this uh, a little baby it was a premature baby i think they were twins and one was like grabbing the other one's heel it was this really sweet, sweet. photo and the story was how the photo went viral on this uh radio station's Facebook page. Okay. It was a telegram photo. Mm. It's like, why wasn't it going viral on our Facebook right. page? Right. right. Because we had treated it just like, oh, that's a cute photo. It went in the print edition, it went in our archives. Somebody else saw it and put it out there and this Facebook page for this radio station was getting like, you know, thousands and thousands of likes and everything. And we ended up hopping on that and catching a little bit of the wave, but it was really like, you know, we, we need to be ahead of those things. We need to be grabbing those things and, and marketing ourselves rather than just waiting for someone else to find it and then reporting on their success. It we must only, be liberating we, though, when you're dealing in web only, when that story does come out of left field that you couldn't have
1: accounted for, it's just a matter of shifting focus to, you know, above the proverbial fold as opposed to yeah. screaming, and screaming stuff, the presses we, and we realize gotta, that
0: we got to switch over I'm to the sorry. city manager. We only got like two <laughs> minutes left. <laughs> oh, that's boring. I, well, it is boring. And t- Tuesday <laughs> we're really going to find need more
1: than two minutes for Tuesday. A city so
0: Tuesday, we're going to find out who our new city manager is, right? The city council will announce this is who we decided of the candidates. We had a search firm come in. They got a bunch of candidates. They narrowed it down to three. Some people were complaining there were discarded candidates who were awesome. A lot of people were complaining that these three candidates are not that inspiring. I could talk for a half an hour show, for example, about how city solicitor David Moore is a mildly cruddy city solicitor and is not a great choice for city manager. It doesn't matter. Um, there's been some people filing information requests, trying to find out details of the search, trying to find out details of the selection process. So far, they've been rebuffed. There's been some accusations of maybe open meeting law violations. Anytime the city does anything, they're violating open meeting law. It's just the way they roll. That will play out over the next few months, I'm sure. Tuesday, we'll find out who it's going to be. Will it be City Solicitor David Moore? Will it be Peter Grazikowski, formerly City Manager of East Providence? Will it be Oscar Rodriguez, formerly City Manager of Taos, New Mexico? It will be one of those three. Um, I thought maybe we could talk for 10 minutes about, is there a way to frame this conversation that, like, it seems that the obvious takeaway here is that this is some sort of conspiracy to force us into having a strong mayor form of government. Is there a way to not have a conspiracy view of it? I don't think we have time to have that conversation today on the
1: show. We'll just go with conspiracy.
0: Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll debunk that. We'll, we'll create and debunk the conspiracy next episode. Brendan Mellican is on the show today. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. Noah Bombard of Mass Live. Always a pleasure congratulations on your on your new job and uh, eager to see what goes on Worcester's beautiful Winslow Street Park everybody should come out here and hang out sometimes it's a nice park Ed Heiders is right next door people you can have a picnic lunch always a party I'm Michael Benedetti we'll be talking to you next week or the week after bye bye Worcester